Jake Scott, Gordon Monson, getting ready to do their regular show on an afternoon, stopping by to join us. What's going on, guys? Let's not forget the biggest news of the night that uh, Donovan Mitchell, the x-rays were negative, so waiting oh, for an MRI. That? Yeah, I saw somebody had that. Oh, that's good. I have to go back and check. But, yeah, <clears throat> x-rays negative and then uh, MRI later tonight, so it looks like a, and it's a lower, not higher ankle sprain, so that's good news, too. Yeah, that was a little scary right there when yep. that all went down. But, you know, the minute you saw the replay, Ron caught it. Like, I was scared because I, I thought he landed awkwardly on his left leg when I saw the replay, but then when I watched him walk off the court, he wasn't putting any pressure on his right leg, so that was, like, the first good sign, relative. And then the next one was that you saw Ron pointed out that you saw him turn his ankle as he landed. Yep. And, you know, and actually, if you remember, Donovan early is was it his rookie year or his second year, had some ankle sprain issues. And uh, if I recall, it was maybe before he got his shoe deal. Now I think about it. So it must have been his rookie year. So anyway. Well, well you'd, Boomer would know this. Uh, anybody who's ever really hurt their ankle that way, it's kind of a – I mean, obviously you don't want it to be a knee, Right. But the, but that sprained ankle, Booner, that, that that can be that can be tricky business, right? I mean, it can it can cause you to miss two games or twenty. Yeah, well, we saw. I mean, that's what LeBron LeBron had the high ankle sprain. We saw that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the high ankle is is way worse. So it definitely be good news that it's the lower ankle. Right. So. Well, it's a good win because it actually would have been a really bad loss. Like you couldn't with with Phoenix not blinking, you really couldn't go three and two on this homestand. Well, that was a really good win, just sense that I, I'm with you. I think Indiana's decent. I, I like a bunch of their players, and I thought the Jazz dug deep. Uh, and Rudy, I mean, you, you named it. Rudy was the difference maker tonight. They, they leaned on him after Donovan went out, and it was great. By the I way, the, I have to point out, I was just informed the under, over-under was 233. What so do we finish at here? 232. <laughs> oh, jeez. And the line was minus 9.5. Yep. There's some grumpy gamblers out there. That was crazy. That was like crazy. So, David, let me ask you a question. That I mean, you watch uh, as many jazz games as anybody. Obviously, what what happens like at the start of that game, or not the start? They just started okay, but then they go through a period of time where it, you know, they fell behind, and teams fall behind. I get that, but they go through periods also where the aggression seems to taper off and uh, the production tapers off at both ends of the floor. Have you? Is there a trigger for that? Or what, well, why, why I does think that it's happen? a little bit. So I don't think we were very focused tonight, right? Donovan throws that ball away. Joe was really looked. I mean, like I said it on the air. I'm not going to hide from it. Like Joe literally looked at me like his body was waiting for seven o'clock, right? Like <laughs> we looked like we were going through shoot around, like one o'clock shoot around instead of game. And then I think so. That's on us or them, whatever, however you want to say it. I used to be able to say that when I tra- I could say us because I traveled with them, but now I can't say that anymore, so I don't have a rule of why I can say us. So that's on them. And Indiana comes out, I thought, with a great deal of tenacity, very physical, guarding all the way out on the floor, you know, playing a, 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 a difficult way to play, and so you end up back on your heels. And now to re- it's really hard to regain that, but frankly, we, they did regain that at the end of the second quarter and then just made two disastrous plays where they allowed Brogdon to get the walk. Donovan just died on that pick. And then Royce O'Neal just threw the ball away right to 
their guy for a three. You know, so they had cut it to six already, and they had already kind of swung the game. So I think that, I thought they had kind of maybe, you know, it was hard to tell. Like, that last stretch was, I mean, I wrote it. Like, that, that was a clinic on how to lose a basketball game, right? Like, just throw that, throw five minutes of work away in 12 seconds. So I, the other one, though, I would say that I've seen a lot this year um, is twofold, Gordon. One is Quinn's a genius. So when they make a change at halftime, our guys leave the locker room with a great deal of confidence because Quinn's a genius um, and, a, and really smart at basketball, too. Um, that was supposed to make you chuckle. <laughs> and the other thing is I think we're really hard to play. So you can come out for like 12 minutes and maybe for 24 minutes playing that style, but at some point you wear down. That's, that's really, really hard to play. And so you, wear, so you wear out like as the night goes on, and that's also why we're by far and away the best third-quarter team in the NBA. Let me, uh, let me stress the first part of what you were saying. The word that comes to mind sometimes with, uh, with the Jazz, and they are human beings, I get that, but it's casual, you know? It almost seems casual to me. And some of those passes you just talked about were casual. They weren't uh, purposeful. Uh, it was something different, and that seems to bleed over to the rest of the, the, rest of the action on the floor. Well, I, mean, I think the they Jazz. got casual up 3-1 last year, so I think that's going to be, you know, that's the, I think that's the question on this team of whether they have that that aspect of them to not be casual. Like, that's probably the last question that needs to be answered about this team, and that's going to probably determine whether, they're play, whether they can be a great playoff team or not. Another word might be soft, uh, because Rudy <laughs> Gobert apparently in his uh, walk-off interview with uh, Kristen Kinney said, uh, said he, he was, quote, a little soft in the first half. So maybe there, that's it. Have you ever covered a player as honest about their own performance <laughs> as Rudy Gobert? Honestly, no. I mean, he, he really is. You, if you want to hear what happened in the game, listen to Rudy's post-game press conference because he'll, he'll dish like, it to you straight. Frankly, I will be totally honest. As someone who really knows this team, I think, still, to some extent, and the chemistry of this team, like, I cringe a lot at what he says. Like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe he just said that. Like, oh, gosh. Like, so it's not as though, like, he might be, like, the most honest and non-on-message player I've ever heard. Yeah, that's probably true. That's why I'm dialed in every time he sits down right. in the post game. Right. Tells you exactly what you need to know. It does make it entertaining, doesn't it? But I think it satisfies fans who sometimes want to hear candor you know and and a lot of times they don't necessarily get it yes jazz 119 111 but they don't cover <laughs> another scholarship though yeah so and somebody out there is thinking i could have had a scholarship for my kid also dang it no, i'm just kidding <laughs> well david somebody else was on the other side of it yeah right you no doubt hey you've got a you get a drive home in the daylight how about that um I do get to drive home in the daylight. It is a weird thing to play a game at this time. On a Friday, certainly. Yeah. Loving it. We got an afternoon tomorrow, too. It's great. See you, guys. See you, buddy. See you. 119-111 to 111 is your final. Jazz beat the Pacers. Jazz game night. Post-game show kicks off next on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Gordon Monson sitting in for Coach Lacombe today. 
of course, Gordon, this is during our normal big show time slot, so it's not, it not too much of a reach for you. Uh, 119 to 111 is, uh, is your final, Gordon, but the big news uh, of the night, Donovan Mitchell left the game in the third quarter uh, with a sprained ankle. Now it's a sprained lower uh, ankle, and the x-rays did come back negative. He'll have an MRI tonight. But so far, um, things pointing more towards the positive for Donovan. You never know, of course. We'll wait for those results from the MRI. But right now, I think there's some things to be optimistic about. Yeah, I guess if you want to be. I mean, I, I mean I've, I, I've suffered uh, that injury, and I know many, many others have. Uh, and, and there's a wide variety to it. So I, I don't know. But one thing's for sure, it's a whole lot better than a knee. Jake, that's for sure. And uh, or if the X-ray we'll, would have uh, revealed bone damage or something like that, I mean that that certainly would have been a lot worse. Yeah, but from what in talking to doctors, I've heard some people say that sometimes that isn't as bad as uh, the ligament damage that takes place in an ankle. So I don't, I'm not, I don't want to bring anybody down or anything. And I, there's no way of knowing at this point uh, what what it is. But uh, this just is a reminder that these athletes put themselves at risk. Every time they play, so and Donovan has has been pretty pretty durable. But uh, man, I, when he went to the floor and had difficulty getting up, what Jazz fan out there wasn't uh, just sort of holding their breath? Yeah, the Jazz have been uh, extraordinarily fortunate from an injury standpoint this year. Um, certainly from a, a COVID standpoint as well, which is uh, kind of a weird uh, curveball in this year's NBA. Um, and uh, this is this is a tough one. And if, if it is kind of a uh, just an ankle sprain, you know, we're maybe looking at a couple of weeks. Obviously, if it uh, ligaments get involved, uh, that uh, will be a little bit more extensive. And, uh, you know, he's he's the team's best offensive player and he's he has a huge impact on this team. He's carried them through a lot of games recently. And now they're going to have to figure out how to win a few without him in the lineup, I'm afraid. But uh, the big question will be is how long are they going to have to deal without Donovan Mitchell? Let's check in with Dr. Good uh, or Dr. Scott. Okay. Please tell us what your diagnosis is. I, I have no what's idea. What your prognosis would be for that. Well, if it's a sprain, honestly, I think you're looking at a couple of weeks, like yeah. possibly back even playing a few games by the playoffs. But who knows? You know, One if, thing's it's for a, sure. if it were a high ankle sprain, I'd say it'd be at least a month. Oh, yeah, and it can be longer. But it's not. How long, it's how a long, lower how long, ankle sprain. How long has LeBron been out? Uh, probably pretty close to that. Seems I'd have to like go back and check. But One thing's for sure, the Jazz will be extremely cautious with it. Make sure it's completely rehabbed, ready to go. Even if even if they sink in the standings in the West a little bit without Donovan, and I don't know, they still have a, a fairly favorable schedule. But when, you, when you're missing Donovan Mitchell, you're missing a whole lot. The Jazz are talented, but, man, that makes a huge difference. So, I, I you know, th- their priorities for the postseason – and if they, you and I have talked a lot about this over the past uh, few weeks about, you know, placement in the standings versus preparation for what comes next. And this will underscore that, that, uh, that second point in a major way. They will absolutely make sure not only that he's ready to go before they suit him back up, but also that in the meantime, they don't wear out the players that, uh, that they have. Uh, to uh, to make up for the difference, you know, there's a real there's a real sort of propensity to do that at times, you know, and the, the Jazz have to preserve their other guys too. 
Jazz trailed this one by as much as 17 in the second quarter. They are actually down nine when Donovan Mitchell left in the third with an injury and come back to win by eight, 119 to 111. Uh, we'll break this one down more uh, for those of you sticking around with us for our network stations. Our next broadcast is coming your way tomorrow afternoon, not long. Uh, the game will tip off at 2.30. Pre-game begins at 1.30. For those of you sticking around with us, got sound for you from the post-game. We'll continue to uh, give uh, expert analysis as well right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post-game show here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Gordon Monson filling in for Coach Lacombe uh, this afternoon. Jazz beat the Pacers 119-111. to Post-game brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Proud to be the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Uh, we'll jump into your uh, sharp stats of the game here in just one moment. But, Gordon, just so I uh, make sure everybody's up to date on the Donovan Mitchell injury. Uh, he left the game in the third quarter with a sprained ankle. This is Adrian Wojnarowski reporting. X-rays negative and MRI coming tonight on Donovan uh, Mitchell's sprained right ankle. Lower ankle sprain, and there's some early optimism that this isn't a major injury to Mitchell, sources tell ESPN. So that's the latest that we have on Donovan. We expect to, to hear Coach Snyder and the players comment on it. But let's get into your sharp stats of the game real quick. Brought to you by Les Olsen Company. Les Olsen Company, your office technology partner. Tonight, the Jazz shot 48.3% from the field, 38.1% from three, 16 of 42. They were led by Boyan Bogdanovich, who had 24 points on 9 of 16, shooting 2 of 6 from 3. Uh, Donovan, before he left, had 22 points on 7 of 15, shooting. Uh, Rudy Gobert was just a monster tonight. 13 points, 23 rebounds, 4 block shots. Conley had 10 points and 10 assists. Clarkson had 18 coming in off the bench. Joe Ingles with 11, George Niang with 9. As far as the Pacers go, Gordon, they only shot 39% from the field, 33% from 3. Karis LeVert led the way for them with 24. Sabonis had 22. Yeah, what makes those numbers that you just read off, Jake, that much more interesting is the fact that uh, the Jazz really struggled early on and uh, were having difficulty taking care of the ball and finding range and playing defense. The fact that the Pacers shot 39% in that game is remarkable. Uh, that was a remarkable defensive recovery on the part of the Jazz because that's not the way it was trending there for a while. And for that matter, same thing at the other end. I mean, the Jazz were having difficulty making shots, and, uh, you know, they end up near 50%, and uh, like you said, over 38% from three. So that that really – I'm impressed, as I've always said, Jake, with teams that sometimes struggle and then come back strong, they redirect their energies, uh, they rediscover their energies, and then their accuracy and their focus. And that's what the Jazz did in this game. And I don't know whether the fact when Donovan Mitchell went down at the 8-18 mark of the third quarter, whether, whether that sharpened all of that. It seemed like it did. It's like the guys were looking at each other going, all right, uh, we got to do something. And they did something. They did something really good. And you mentioned the rebounding. Uh, I wonder who's going to be the master of the glass. Hmm, I wonder. Uh, It's hard hard (laughs) to say, but the Jazz absolutely dominate the Pacers on the boards, 56 to 43. 
that that's that'll go a long way toward helping you win. All right, you heard Gordon. I like this. Let's uh, let's check out your master of the glass. Wonder who that could be. Brought to you by our friends at uh, Safe Light Auto Glass, a local vehicle glass expert. Back for another great year of basketball. Proud to be the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah Jazz. Safe Light Auto Glass also proud to present this year's Master of the Glass Rebound Program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Flight will donate $5 to the Utah uh, United Way of Utah for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader. Gordon, it was good afternoon for the uh, United Way of Utah. 23 rebounds from Rudy Gobert, uh, 18 defensive, 5 offensive. Uh, Royce had another good rebounding night, too, uh, with 8. But uh, And as Gordon mentioned right there, smashed Indiana on the boards, 56 43. Gordon, real quick, uh, and we'll get to some uh, postgame sound here in a minute, but uh, just getting word uh, that Donovan Mitchell will address the media this afternoon in the postgame. So that's probably a pretty good sign. Wow. Yeah, we will hear from Donovan here during the postgame, so make sure and stay tuned for that. Uh, I wonder how motivated he is to talk about uh, one Dwayne Wade as well you probably know. Um, probably but i, I but would you, imagine if his ankle was real bad he wouldn't be talking to me exactly i mean how many times jake have you seen uh, a player make himself available after suffering an injury like that honestly that very is, rarely yeah, yeah very one rarely. in a million really it, it is but, we've seen uh, uh we've seen like rudy well actually donovan this year for example but rudy's done it too after they get thrown out they've addressed the media after the game <laughs> I remember after Donovan got thrown out of that Philly game, I think he sat down before Quinn Snyder, didn't he? I'm looking at Alex who's saying, yeah. I mean, he was like he was like ready to tee off as soon as the game went final. But So how much – I'm sorry. No, uh, no, no. no. Go ahead. No, I was how, just going to say time? that uh, rarely after an injury. Yes. Uh, between uh, that 818 mark of the third and right now, how much time do you think uh, Donovan Mitchell's ankle has been buried in ice? Oh, man, yeah. I'm sure they cryogenically <laughs> froze that thing as soon as he got to the locker room. <laughs> you know, Is that I don't what know they do they now? I don't, I don't know. They so. stick it in the chamber? <laughs> no, I don't but think But that so. obviously, as a doctor once told me, ice is magic. So Well, uh, it stops yeah. swelling, right? And that's yeah. kind of the idea with those sprains. You get the, get that ice on there as soon as possible and spare yourself certainly some soreness. Have you ever stuck your foot in a bucket of ice and water? I have. done that? Uh-huh. You know, it's amazing to me how athletes like Donovan Mitchell get so accustomed to that. You know, some guys do that after every game or they put the ice packs on their knees or whatever else. You know, that is nobody's idea of a dreamy afternoon is having your foot frozen. But uh, obviously they do whatever's necessary in order to – to um, to limit uh, whatever uh, will inhibit them from coming back. But uh, good news that Donovan wants to talk. So, yeah. Yeah. so I we'll, wonder if we'll ha- will he have his foot in the bucket still? I don't know. I, I doubt we'll see. You know, most of the Zoom stuff is, uh, you know, like chest up, that sort of thing. So, uh, But we will apparently hear from Donovan Mitchell here in the postgame. So that's great news. But let's get things, uh, let's get the ball rolling. Let's hear from Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Hi, coach. We'll get started with Tony Jones, the athletic. Hey, Coach, obviously, you know, the big question is, you know, how's Donovan? And, you know, if you guys have to go and, and survive a stretch without him, you know, what are some of the things that you guys can do, um, you know, w- without him in, in the lineup? Well, um, first of all, obviously, we hope that, that it's nothing serious, but they're in the process of, you know, t- doing everything they can do to assess that. Um, as far as, you know, playing without you know, any player, whether it be Donovan 
uh, Mike, Rudy, whoever it is, there's stretches of the game, every game, you know, guys don't play 48 minutes. So, um, you know, things are different, obviously Donovan, uh, such a big part of what we do that, you know, like any player that's out, you miss him, um, but you try to figure out ways to, you know, to play well and win uh, regardless of who's available. Cause those, those things are going to happen. And uh, we have to be prepared for that, you know, regardless of who it is, but obviously Donovan, it's, you know, he, he's, as I said, um, you know, a big, big part of what we do, but that's where guys got to come together and um, try to figure it out. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. And what were Donovan's spirits like after the game and kind of was, were his teammates able to talk with him um, after afterwards? You know, we, we didn't have a chance, you know, I come in and see you guys right after we, we, we break with the team. And, and, you know, when we speak to the team, it's more general, but, um, you know, you guys have got a chance to talk to him. Ben Anderson, KSLsports.com. Quinn, as far as the game itself goes, uh, another slow start. It's like six or seven games in a row now. Is it the same thing or are you seeing different things? You know, I, I'll have to watch the, you know, watch the video to, to be even more specific. Um, you know, I, I think the common denominator that, that you know, I, I think I've mentioned this consistently is we just have to begin the game um, playing solid defense and, uh, we didn't have the, the requisite level of of aggressiveness, whether that meant, um, you know, our pickup points and our ball pressure, um, guys on the weak side being more alert, aggressive, and shifted. Um, there's just a level of urgency that you have to have. And, you know, we're, we're facing teams. You know, Indiana came out, um, you know, playing very forceful on offense and really attacking and, you know, I thought we were knocked back a little bit, but, you know, at the same time, I told our guy, it's nice to play well the whole game, um, but there's going to be stretches where you're better than you are in others. And I think it was important for us to be able to, um, you know, to recognize that, find it. And, you know, obviously the, you know, the second half defensively, you know, we were, we were pretty darn good. So that was good to see. Hopefully it can be four quarters instead of two. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, I was actually just going to ask you about that. Can you elaborate on on what changed defensively in the second half that you go from allowing 69 or whatever it was in the first half to 42 in the second? Well, sometimes, you know, we, we look for kind of a list of things that maybe you do differently. And, you know, although there, there's um, – we played in the second half, we switched pick and roll for about three or four minutes, but I, I don't – I don't think there was any one thing from an adjustment standpoint, as far as it was just kind of a general level of focus and aggressiveness. And um, that manifests itself a lot of different ways. Um, probably the easiest statistic that you can look at in addition to the actual score uh, is the rebounding. Um, you know, we were able to, to secure a lot more defensive rebounds and, you know, there was a time when they were getting those offensive rebounds and getting extra possessions and, some of them were threes, some of them were layups. And it's hard when you spend, you know, a lot of energy and, you know, you have a really good defensive possession. If you don't secure the rebound, those things can be deflating. Last question, David James, KUTV. 
Coach, what determines when Mike Conley plays both ends of a back-to-back, which he has once since the All-Star break, or when he sits one, is it four games in six days, how he feels, other issues with the roster like Donovan Hurt? What will guide that going forward? Rudy's got a crystal that we consult, and we rub it for a while and, and try to come up with a result that Mike likes. And uh, obviously, no, they're – facetiously of course but you know I, I think I mentioned that I, I think every situation is is different um some of it, it really more than anything depends on you know just the continual assessment of, of where he is physically um you know and how he feels and you know that collaboration and partnership in that I think is is crucial and th- there's other factors that that can go into it at various points whether it be you know, a certain amount of days off before or after. Um, but more than anything, you know, it, it's it's where he is and how he's feeling. And then the overlay on all that, obviously, like all of our guys is, you know, we want to make sure that um, we're not just, you know, healthy, but also rested to the extent that that's possible. And that that's hard right now. So you're weighing a lot of different things. You know, I, I know for Mike, he, he loves being out there and, and there's a continuity involved with being out there. Um, so I wish I could give you a more specific answer, but it's, it's, it's really, it's not Rudy's crystal, as you know, but it, it, it is something that I think we're, you know, constantly monitoring. And fortunately, you know, there's a, there's trust between Mike and uh, Mike Elliott and, and myself that we just come to the best decision that, that we possibly can under the circumstances. That's it. Thank you, Coach. There you go. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Uh, We'll talk about what he had to say here in a second, Gordon. But we are getting an update that we will not hear from Donovan Mitchell after all. He is apparently getting treatment according to what they're telling us. So wanted to, uh, if you're expecting to hear Donovan like we were, we will not be hearing Donovan in the the post game. (laughs) But we will keep you up to date on any news that uh, we see break. Uh, I thought a lot of interesting stuff from coach Schneider there, Gordon, uh, the, the, his conversation or his uh, answer about the defense in the second half, I thought was great. Just where he said, yeah, we did a couple things different. I guess we switched pick and roll for a half a second, but really the guys just played harder. <laughs> That's essentially what he said is they just got focused and got after it in the second half. And you could really tell it makes a difference when they stay focused and get after it. I mean, it seems like the most basic of things, right? <laughs> What's the difference? Got after it. Well, that's what we, we were talking about with Locke. Why, why, why sometimes do they not get after it? Because the, the, the difference is stark. When the Jazz are aggressive, even when they miss some shots, they, they, they hang in there. They come on strong. Uh, they, they, they're able to, uh, to still impose their will. But sometimes that just fades away. I heard uh, Thurl say he thought the the uh, inefficiency at the offensive end uh, was causing problems at the defensive end. Th- those are it's always kind of tricky. Is it the defense that's causing the offense to struggle, or is it the offense causing the defense to struggle? I I don't know. Maybe you have to climb inside the minds of of these players and pull a little Doctor Feelgood or Doctor Freud or something to to really know for sure. Because you saw what happened in the second half when the Jazz switched it on. I think a lot of that came after uh, after Donovan's injury. But it also happened there toward the end of the second quarter. And uh, although they had the mistakes at the very end that were rather 
uh, what's the word, embarrassing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the, the, the momentum was shifting as the Jazz were, were forcing, being forceful and focusing. I bottle that, will you? And then you can. Well, I was, I was going to say, Gordon, if you ever figure out how to get uh, any basketball team to get after it for the entire game, I think you should apply for coaching jobs because you'll probably, <laughs> uh, you'll probably have but it's, something figured out because Jake, it's, it's, a, it, it's a challenge, you know? Okay, and and okay, just so, to comment real quick on what you were saying, I remain convinced that this Jazz team's based on defense. That when they don't have it going, it's based on defensive principles because they don't get into transition where they're so yeah. good. And so I think, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm certainly far be it for me to disagree with the great Thurl Bailey. Um, and, and, you know, the offense, obviously, everything affects everything. But I think they really are at their best when they do get after it defensively and get stops and get into transition. I'm hoping I've remembered what he said. Uh properly well listen the, the yeah. next time big t is wrong about anything we'll be the first <laughs> be the so first. so right. you know listen to big t ignore me listen to to thorough <laughs> well uh, we heard uh i thought uh i thought dj asked a good a bunch of, a bunch of really good questions were asked and uh when when he, when eric asked uh quinn about uh about the uh the, the switch over he said, there's a level of urgency that you have to have, implying that the Jazz sometimes do not have that. Yeah, they got to get after it. Get after it. What the heck's get after it mean? Go get after, after what? Let's go out there and play hard. And, and you think it's really uh, like asking too much to have that level of urgency from start to finish? Um, I don't know about asking too much. It may never have happened. But. Well, yeah, but you got to admit that stretch in the first half was pretty sorry. Well, they were down by 17 in the second quarter. I mean, I don't think anybody's making an argument that that's good, but they, they dug down and turned it well, around in the second well, half. Well, that's my point. It's, it's one thing to slip up a little bit. It's another to allow yourself to get in a hole 17 points deep. And, you know, they could probably get away with that against the Pacers, but when they play some of the better teams in the playoffs, that might be a, a much stiffer challenge. So it's – I know that this is something that Quinn's given a lot of thought to, and he's looking for ways to, to have folks sharp. But you, you did bring up a, a strong point, and that is that last time I checked, they're human beings. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I bounced out of bed every morning with uh, vigor and energy, but it just doesn't happen sometimes, you know what I mean? I think everybody can relate yeah, to that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you it's think tough. the and early there, start had anything to do with that? Maybe, and having a couple of days off, I mean, we could talk about the old cliche rest, or excuse me, rust, you know, and and maybe they overlook the, the Pacers for a minute. Who knows? There could be a myriad of, of reasons. I do think it's a good sign, though, that they – you know, took a step back and came out with a different type of focus. And Locke mentioned this too, that I, I think that's part of the reason that they've been so good in third quarters is Coach Snyder pushes the right buttons at halftime, makes the right adjustments, and then they come out and really execute it. I mean, that's that's been apparent in many, many games this year. Do you think he, do you think he gets after it? Do you think he gets on everybody and, and, and screams and yells? Or what do you, you know think what? Is, the, I, is the right button to push? I don't right know. To do it, it? I'd love to be a fly on that wall, but I kind of doubt it. 
I don't know. I, I, I would guess, well, I would think most coaches have to pick when, when they're going to be yellers and screamers, right? I mean, you can't, if you do that every single game, the, the message isn't going to land. So, you know, like most everything, I bet, I bet Coach Snyder is pretty matter of fact and methodical about everything. Uh, and, and, and knowledgeable. And as, you know, as I always keep in mind, whenever I argue with you, uh, knowledge is power. That it is. I know, and I just try to transmit some to you, but sometimes it's <laughs> it's easier said than done. Hey, I'm human too, yeah, right? You sometimes and I, there's a you, disconnect. <laughs> you and I both, brother. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll get some player sound coming up right around the corner at your Jazz Game Night postgame show. Jake Scott, Gordon Monson filling in for Coach Lacombe today. Your final Jazz beat the Pacers here at Vivint Arena, 119 to 111. I want to remind you about our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer and the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. We'll have more straight ahead right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show here on the Jazz Radio Network brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer and the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Your final score, Jazz beat the Pacers tonight 119-111. to They moved to 42-14 and on the year. Let's get a look at your points in the paint brought to you by... Our friends at Serta Pro Painters. Call 1-800-GO-SERTA or visit certapro.com. That's Serta with a C. We do painting, you do life. Points in the paint tonight, Gordon. Pretty similar. Jazz outscored the Pacers 48-46. to Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's the Jazz will take that because they were more efficient from other places on the floor, you know. And I, I agree 100% with you, Jake, that, uh, that what you're going to circle in this game is at the defensive end. You know, that's really what uh, what triggered the Jazz uh, in, in a way that enabled them to, to rearrange themselves, to organize themselves. And, you know, I mean, it, it seemed as though the, uh, the Pacers were having their way early on. Not in the first stretch. The Jazz, what was their lead early? The Jazz got out to, what, about an eight-point lead or something like that? I don't that? know if it was that much, but, yeah, was it, it was. It, it, they they were up a few possessions, and then, but then it unraveled. Yeah, but then there was a sort of a short circuit on the part of the Jazz, and you saw the Pacers doing what they were doing. Uh, Sabonis was uh, having a nice game and being comfortable, Levert and others. but uh, And the Jazz sort of bumped and skidded through that period of time. Uh, and But... There in the second uh, half, they they put it together, and uh, the points in the paint were, you know, kind of a. As long as it was a wash, it was kind of a non-factor because the Jazz are more efficient from uh, from three. Uh, they were more efficient from three, and they got up over that forty mark on attempts, Gordon, which is always something to keep an eye on. They were sixteen of forty-two. In fact. Let's take a look at your three-point takeover, sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union, helping members achieve their financial dreams for more than 80 years. Jazz 16 to 42 from three, 38%. Uh, let's see, who led the way tonight from three? A few players at three and uh, three for seven. Donovan Mitchell, George Niang, and Joe Ingles, all three for seven from three. Uh, Mike Conley was one of three. Royce O'Neal, one of two. Jordan Clarkson, two of eight, coming off uh, coming off the bench. Good for Royce O'Neal knocking down a three. Gordon it had been a couple of games bef- uh, since yeah. he hit one, so you gotta, yeah. you know, th- hope that's a confidence builder for his sake, uh, because sometimes you just need to see that go through the basket. And as you and I have talked uh, often, 
you know, Royce needs to make a few to, because if the other team's going to pick a player not to guard, it's likely going to be Royce, and he needs to be able to at least make them adjust when he gets the ball. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. It reminds me of what Carl Malone said about Brian Russell back in the day. You know, hey, we got to count on you because guess what? Stockton and, and I are going to be covered, <laughs> and they're going to double us. What are you doing? Hit the shot. And that's what Royce O'Neal is counted upon to do. He's just not shooting that much. I, I I wonder if he should shoot more. I know he's not your at the top of the list of who you want to see shoot, but is he passing up open looks because so, of a, but a that, crisis of confidence? So I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. And yes, I do think he uh, over the past few games he has not shot as much as uh, he has previously. But here, that's the, that's the tricky thing with Royce, though, Gordon, is because that's part of his value is that he doesn't need to be – he's for the amount of time he plays, Gordon, he is the lowest usage player in the entire NBA. That's pretty remarkable. And, and really, it's, it's one of his strengths in a weird way because he does all this other stuff and doesn't expect, uh, you know, 10 shots a game in return. But the key is, is that he has to make enough of them to keep the defense honest. Yeah. You know, so maybe he doesn't take 10 a game, but if you leave him open to take five, he's going to make three. You know, we're, we're somewhere in that neighborhood, obviously. You know, he's not going to shoot 60% for, for the season. But you get my point, that he needs to be dialed in enough that the other team absolutely has to scramble to get out to him or he's going to make it. And so don't get angry if you see Royce O'Neal, you know, teeing it up and shooting it. It's unless a good thing, yeah. Um, unless, unless there's somebody else wide open. If there's somebody else wide open, then Royce, go ahead and deliver the ball where it should go. But if you're wide open and you don't shoot it, I think that jams up to what the Jazz are trying to do with the offensive end, and it's better for him to shoot and miss than it is for him to double clutch and then not shoot. You're totally right about that, Gordon. I think Coach Snyder would absolutely agree. I don't want to speak for him, but it, it seems like that would be a point he would agree with because, you know, when you bring up Royce maybe not taking the shots and being a little tentative, and we've seen him pass on a couple. I mean, he did one in the clutch. God, these games run together. Was it Washington where he passed on one in the clutch where he was wide open? And you and I talked about it on the show the next day. And he just he just can't do that. you got to have that confidence to pull the trigger when the shot comes to you. But I don't think missing the open guy is an issue for Royce like right now. I think he's actually being a little too passive. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So, But sometimes I think people get – uh, Royce is the last guy they want to see shoot it, you know. And but but yeah, you know, sometimes it's to the benefit of the overall. Uh, well, it's it's uh, not deal. like even after his struggles, it's not like he's a bad shooter. I mean, he's still shooting thirty-seven and a half percent from three, which is a really good number. So yeah, but he was shooting like forty-four percent. Right, so. right. But you you hear what I'm saying? I mean, you yeah, you're still it. not you're still not going to ignore a thirty-seven percent shooter from three. I mean. It's, Speaking of a guy who who had been sort of double clutching a little bit from distance, even though that is why he gets paid, Boyan Bogdanovich breaks out uh, in this game with those 24 points. I know he's been playing better of late. Still only two of six from three, but it just he fits the perfect uh, example of the cliche: shooters got to shoot. You got to keep shooting. 100%. And he's been great for the past several games, Gordon, right? Yeah, here, let me let me look it up here. But yeah, it's it's not his his slump if you want to call it that was has been over for a minute. Let's see. It, uh, yeah, go ahead. I mean, he's his last 3 games, Gordon, 24 points today, 23 against OKC, 33 against Washington. Mm-hmm. Do you have his percentages? 
uh, from three or two. Uh, any effective? 56, uh, not in front of me right now. 56.3 okay. field goal tonight, 42.9 against OKC, 55.6 against Washington. 60% from three against Washington, 33 tonight and 33 against OKC. Yeah, so... Yeah, not not uh, maybe up to his standard in these last few game, last couple of games, but uh, pretty dang he, good. Not, not nine of sixteen. <laughs> now the Jazz will take that four four from the from the line. Oh, that's one thing about Bogdanovich's game, and we'll get to Rudy here in one second. But uh, he's been going to the line a ton the past several games, and I like that. I mean, if you're not going to take ten threes, well, get going to the hoop and go to the line. And he's done a good <laughs> job doing that. Yeah. Get after it. Yep. All right, let's uh, let's go down to the media room and let's hear from Rudy Gobert. We'll start with David James, KUTV. Rudy, obviously the defense was not good in the first half and obviously it was excellent in the second half. What changed? I think number one on, uh, on mindset, you know, uh, we were way too passive in the first half. Uh, they could drive go wherever they wanted to go. And uh, they, they just played harder than us in the first half. So we, once we picked that up, I think our communication, our physicality, and uh, everything was better in the second half and uh, completely changed the momentum of the game and it fueled the offense. Andy Larson, Sully Tribune. Sorry, uh, Rudy, have you... Have you had a chance to talk to Donovan yet? And and did you get a chance to see the injury or kind of what happened on that play? And kind of what are your thoughts about uh, potentially losing him for a you know significant part of, of the season? I didn't see what happened on the play. Um, I saw him in the locker room. He was in great spirits. So hopefully, you know, we can uh, get him back soon. But uh, yeah, I didn't see the play. I don't know what happened. I didn't know where it was hurt at first. But hopefully it's uh, nothing serious and, uh, you know, we can be back very soon. Ryan Miller, KSL. Yeah, Rudy, how do you kind of handle the emotions when a player like that goes out? I mean, it's tough. You know, it's something that, uh, you know, you never want to see happen, uh, especially when it's one of your teammates and one of your leaders. You know, so it's part of the game. You know, we... We do everything we can to uh, to avoid that. You know, we, we try to take care of, of ourselves uh, uh, off the court. So it's uh, yeah, it's tough. You know, it's tough, and uh, you know, uh, it's always like when when something like that happens, you always kind of pause a little bit, and uh, and then you have to refocus on the game for sure. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, just given what an integral part of the scheme Donovan is what did you see from other guys in terms of stepping up and kind of filling his shoes uh after he went out I mean everyone stepped up you know Joe um, Joe stepped up Jordan uh Boyan Mike you know we we know that uh I mean we 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 we, are, we have a deep team so you know it's a it's a luxury that we have obviously uh there's only one Donovan Mitchell but you know we got a lot of guys that can handle the ball so you know, we just try to, you know, keep playing the right way and, uh, and you know, and keep sharing the ball. And, uh, you know, I really think our defense is, is, is the key. And, uh, and offensively, you know, we, we have a lot of talent. Maxime Lagorges, the free agent in France. Uh, bonjour, Rudy. Salut. Uh, je, je voulais savoir, 
explique-moi, est-ce que, est que vous pouvez m'expliquer votre capacité à prendre autant de rebonds dans un match Parce que prenez un match à, à 21 rebonds, c'est votre cinquième d'année, c'est juste euh, énorme et vous êtes le seul en NBA à faire ça. Je vais répondre en anglais. Voilà. Si tu veux, no problem. <laughs> about the rebounds so I mean I, I think rebounds is a very important part of defense you know uh, a lot of guys are good at blocking shots a lot of guys are good at guarding but when you're able to guard and, and then secure the defensive possession and, and, and secure the ball you know it's uh, it's huge you know it's huge for your team and uh, you know when I, anytime I contest a shot I try to make sure I'm able to you know get in a position to, to, to rebound and You know, tonight, uh, Derek was out, so I just told him uh, I pretty much took all his rebounds. Okay, that's it. Thank you, Rudy. Rudy Gobert right there, and Rudy tonight, uh, yeah, he was a monster on the board. 23 rebounds for Rudy, four block shots, and he's totally right about securing that rebound, being a big part of the defense. Uh, he said it there, you know, anybody can can guard a guy or block a shot, but uh, until you secure that defensive rebound, the possession is not complete. Remember in the early going where the uh, Pacers kept getting offensive rebounds? I mean, what they end up with, I think they had like 14 offensive boards, didn't they? They did. Uh, and, and that was hurting the Jazz in a major way. So uh, then, then uh, yeah, uh, Rudy and the rest of them uh, took matters into their own hands and got those defensive boards. And you and I have talked a lot about this, Jake, that remarkably the Jazz are the leading, the top-ranked, rebounding team in the entire NBA. So they're capable of doing it because of Rudy and because of, you talked earlier about uh, Royce O'Neal, and even though he's undersized, he has uh, focused on on gathering in those rebounds, and that triggers everything the other way, like Rudy said. Royce averaging nearly seven rebounds a game this year. Is is pretty pretty remarkable, but of course, uh, as you alluded, give Rudy most of credit for that rebounding dominance, and obviously yeah. it's something that uh, he focuses on and was particularly good uh, this afternoon. You know, Rudy only missed one shot tonight, six of seven from the field, 13 points, 23 rebounds, and four block shots. And that block he got on Sabonis that he sent basically started the fast break by <laughs> sending it all the way past midcourt was pretty amazing. Yeah, well, that's Rudy, right? And by the way, how many times did you see Pacers dribble in and then dribble back out it again? Happens all night. <laughs> it happens all night. He changes the, the whole game plan for the other team. I don't think Ben Simmons has that same effect on. I don't think so either. Point, so. All right, let's, sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't resist. That's so. all right. We'll forgive you. It's the Jazz post game after all. Uh, let's get some more post game sound. Let's uh, go back to the media room and hear from Boyan Bogdanovich. Okay, we'll go. Chris and Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Bogey. Well, a lot happened today uh, for you guys. Uh, how would you first just sum up what it took to get this one done today? I mean, our, our defense second half was, was, was way better. We didn't start the, the right. We, we supposed to once, once again, we gotta, we gotta be more concentrated from a, from a jump ball. So, so great win. We got a tough one tomorrow, tomorrow as well. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Bogey, just wondering if you saw Donovan's injury when it happened and if you've had a chance to kind of uh, talk with him after the game. Actually, I didn't saw it at a at that moment when when it happened. I saw the I saw the video after the after the after the game what happened. So, but really, I don't know. 
I don't know what to what to say. I hope it was not intentional. That's all I all I gotta say about uh, about his injury. Tony Jones, the athletic. Do you find yourself, you know, just personally um, making quicker decisions with the basketball when you catch as in terms of, you know, catch and go, catch and shoot uh, or catch and just move it? Um, and and has that started? Has has that made a positive impact on on how you've played the last four or five games? Yes, you're right. I think the the way when I'm getting the ball, I already have have advantage because we are doing great job in, in pick and roll. Not just just me. Royce had a had a go and catch a couple situations today, especially on a late one when he when he made a made a floater. So we are all working those point five decision when we get a ball either to to shoot it, try to get in a inside or, or move it right away. So we don't we don't stuck with the ball. And and kind of waiting for Rudy to to play picker up. As as I said, like our 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 point guards Donovan and Mike, particularly and Joe as well. The guys that are handling the ball doing great job putting us in 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 position to have those those one second advantage that that we have and we are getting the ball. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Bogey, what was your reaction to learning that Dwayne Wade was now a minority owner of the Jazz? What did it say? Can you repeat again? Sorry. Just what was your reaction to learning that Dwayne Wade had become a minority owner of the Utah Jazz? Oh, I think, I don't know on the business side what they are doing, but for me and, and for, for our players personally, it's mean, it's mean a lot, especially to see him in, in our locker room, see him around us, having some, some advice for, for, for any, any player particular in Donovan. I think that he's going he gonna to benefit the most from from D-Wade being being part of, of ownership. David James, KUTV. Just to follow up on that, when when did they let you guys know? How did they let you guys know that uh, he was part of this? And and I'm curious if you have any relationship with Wade before this. I mean, I played against him a lot of times, but I don't have any any relationship. I mean. Ryan told us that he's gonna he's gonna be part of, of ownership, and that's that's all I can say. John Kuhn, AP. Boyan, um, when you see a teammate like Donovan go down with the injury, he did I mean, what? What kind of impact does it have on you guys, and um, how how did it influence just the way you finished out the game as a team today? I think we won the game with our with our defense, not not with our offense. Of course, that we're gonna. I don't know how long he's gonna be out or 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 how bad is his uh, his ankle right now. They gotta do examines, I guess. But uh, of course, that is gonna be different different situation right now if if he won't play. But uh, but at the other hand, we gotta we gotta play our our defense, and we're gonna we're gonna have a chance against anybody in the league. Last question, Nicole Tab Deportes. Hi, congrats for the win. What do you think was different in the third when the team made the big run to win the game? I mean, our like I said, our defense. We didn't start the game game well. We are giving the teams way way too many layups and and and, and offensive boards on the first first and second quarter, and then when we start to play like. Like we supposed to play, 
like I said, we're going to have a chance against against any team. But our, our defense and, and, and controlling the board second half was, was big time. That's it. Thank you, Boyan. Boyan Bogdanovich right there, 24 points to lead the way for the Jazz this afternoon. He had three rebounds and an assist as well, 9 of 16 shooting. We will get you more sound coming up right around the other side. We'll continue to break this one down as well as the Jazz beat the Pacers, 119 to 111. I want to remind you about our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Find out more at markmillersubaru.com. More straight ahead here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post-game show. You're on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Gordon Monson sitting in for Coach Lacombe today. Jazz win. They beat the Pacers 119 to 111. Post-game brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Gordon, we, uh, we've talked a lot uh, in this post-game about the defensive adjustments and how they played in the second half, a lot of that surrounding Rudy Gobert. Our guy Ben Anderson had this uh, tweeted out from KSL Sports. Uh, Ben says, um, in the second half, the Pacers shot 26% from the floor and 24% from three. How about that? Yeah, it's, it's remarkable what, you know, the the offense gets so much acclaim in the NBA and so often everybody focuses on that end of the floor. But I, I agree with what you said earlier in the show, Jake, the jazz, their success will, will hinge on what happens at the less acclaimed side, at least in the minds of a whole lot of fans. Coaches know all about it, and that's why Quinn talks about defense so freaking much. Well, and with Rudy, that's that's a built-in advantage for the Jazz, right? Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. if you've got a player like Rudy Gobert and that's somebody you're building around, well, utilize that man's talents. Build a, build a, uh, a stingy defense. Yeah, yeah, and that's – Rudy talks about it after – I mean, obviously he's the anchor. He talks about it every single post game. You know, when whether the Jazz win or lose, it's it's triggered by the defense. And uh, of course, he's usually the main cog in all of that. But he he's also talked about. Remember, I mean, he blames himself when when the defense falls apart, and he isn't uh, he isn't too shy about blaming some of his teammates too when they're not getting the job done. I mean, Rudy knows, and we all know, he can't guard everyone. Well, but, they, man, when, when you see what happened in the second half, especially the latter part of the, the third quarter and through the fourth, I mean, it, it, it just like slaps you in the face. It's so obvious. Well, Rudy, and I, I think this is somewhat savvy on his part, when when he criticizes his teammates about the defense in the postgame, he does it really subtly. This year I've really noticed that he talks about the communication. <laughs> and and that and he's probably not wrong, right? I mean, communicating on defense and knowing, you know, where you're supposed to be when and how you're supposed to play against a certain player or a certain set. I mean, that's all, you know, really communication oriented, right? And and yeah. I've noticed that when they've struggled on defense, you know, you ask Locke, is there a connective tissue? And I'm not, you know, saying this is the definitive answer, but Rudy always comes back to communication. And when they're communicating and guys want to play, you know, if if you're not dialed in and getting after it, which is the phrase of the post game, right? You're probably not communicating very well either. So when I hear communication from Rudy in the post game on the defense, that's that always stands out to me. Okay. Rudy wasn't real happy with the defensive performance when he gets in on the communication. And it's a really kind of effective way to, to criticize the defense, right? Cause it's, it's a team concept, not an individual one. 
It will. But in the first half, how many times did you see a pacer just sort of drive right by whoever was guarding him? Right. And and that could easily be a communication thing, right? Where you someone, thought somebody was behind help. you or someone was going to help or someone was going to switch and it didn't happen because there were a few of those instances in the first half. You have to assume that that does have to do, like you said, with talking amongst uh, the players in anticipation because, uh, you know, guys get beat. Guys get beat off the dribble. I mean, we see that happen, but uh, but there's a plan for that typically. And uh, that is for the right person to rotate over. And uh, it, it, it wasn't happening in the first and uh, sec- most of the second quarter. Things started to change toward the, uh, what, the last three minutes of the second. But uh, it, it looked porous. It really did. Well, it got a lot better. Yes, it did. We, we well, keep coming I, back to the but porousness, but having them shoot, uh, what was it, 24% in the second half? Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean that. That I mean, I'm sure that Quinn Snyder, after the game, can just look at it and say, "Hey, fellas, what was different? What happened in the second half that wasn't happening in the first half?" And Rudy would raise his hand and say, "Communication." There you go. That's exactly what he'd say. <laughs> All right, let's get some more post game sound. Let's go back to the media room and hear from Mike Conley. All right, we'll start with Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Mike, what was your reaction to learning about Dwayne Wade becoming a minority partner in in the Jazz, and kind of what does that mean to you? Well, I think it's a very exciting time uh, for for the Jazz organization uh, for Ryan Smith um, to get a guy like Dwayne Wade, you know, Hall of Famer. We all know his accolades, but for him to be um, so interested in in joining an organiza- organization like this. Uh, a team like this, a city, a state, um, it says a lot. It says a lot about what he believes um, can come from it and, um, and, and the growth that can be made. So uh, it's pretty, it pretty neat to see him in the, in the stands and get to talk to him. John Kuhn, AP. Mike, uh, when you guys saw Donovan go down, I mean, what was kind of the, the first reaction you had and, and how tough was it to just kind of refocus on the game and, and, and get the victory after that? Um, it, it was, it's always tough to see one of your guys go down, but, um, you know, Donovan in particular is just, you know, he's so important to our team and, uh, and he kind of make, he's what makes us go. So, you know, we knew that, you know, seeing him limp off, it wasn't good and that, uh, he probably wasn't coming back this game or, you know, it might be out for a little bit and, um, at that point, you know, our team kind of got together and just said, hey, this is part of the game. This is what we have to do. This is, what, this is what's in front of us. Um, guys are going to have to step up. So uh, I thought we all did it collectively tonight, uh, you know, in, in a situation where a team came out and really uh, gave us everything they had and, um, you know, got us into a little deficit early. So I was proud of the way we responded, um, you know, with Donovan going down. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. <clears throat> Hey, Mike, just wondering if you got a chance to speak with Donovan and kind of, you know, get a feel on on where his mood is at in the in the wake of this injury. Yeah, um, I mean, he was in he was in good spirits when I talked to him. Obviously, he's uh, frustrated with, you know, the, the injury, how it happened, all that. But, um, you know, same time, he's he's ultimate teammate. 
and he's just rooting for us and you know he's making jokes so you know he's he's still same old Don so I think he'll be fine um he's just another little obstacle in the in the way and um he'll take that challenge and and be back before we know it Ben Anderson kslsports.com Mike Donovan's never really been injured all that much in his career you've dealt with it a little bit more what's kind of the key mindset uh, that you have to take when you've been hurt uh, patience is one, um, but you have to be able to, to take it, you know, each, each day by day, you know, one day you're going to have a good day. The next day, you know, it might set back another, you know, day or two. So you have to be mentally prepared for that and not think that it's just going to, you know, every day you're going to feel better and better and better. So, um, just be mentally prepared for the ups and downs and don't rush back too quick. I know I've done that one, two, one too many times in my career and, um, our, you know, our training staff is, is one of the best and they'll make, they'll make sure he's in great hands and take care of him the best they can. Now, Campbell, utahjazz.com. Hey, Mike, um, Dwayne Wade spoke on being interested in the business side of basketball while still in the league, um, but also being an inspiration to people to follow in the footsteps. So does his move into ownership kind of inspire you with the thoughts of life after basketball? Oh, for sure. You know, to see, you know, to see Dwayne uh, and the moves he's making, uh, they're really powerful. You know, for one, I mean, he's an African-American male and um, ex-basketball player. A lot of things I can relate to. Um, and for me, you know, in, in the, the the back part of my career, you know, something that shoot, it, it gives me hope that, hey, maybe I can do that. Maybe, you know, the next guy can do that. So um, those doors are open and he's allowing all of us to see that. And, um, and it's been a great inspiration for a lot of us. David James, KTV. Mike, the team's been uh, really good as long as they have two out of three guys with you and, and Donovan and Joe, but with Donovan now apparently out for a while and with you managing the hamstrings, I'm wondering what's going to kind of guide the decision on whether you play or don't play and how you handle this going forward. Yeah, this is a, uh, this is a little un uncharted territory for us as far as that's regarded, but um, you know, as you know, as we go through the season and the back-to-backs and you know the scheduling, I'm always just you know taking a backseat to our training staff and letting them kind of tell me what's what I should do and what's the best option and best move. So um, you know, we'll see. You know, I, I'm not sure about you know how we're going to handle everything, but obviously we we would rather not have as many guys out um, you know going down the stretch and keep a good rhythm. Last question, Kyle Goon, Orange County Register. Hey, Mike, I know this is obviously kind of incidental with Donovan getting injured today, but you look around the, the contenders, um, you know, Kawhi's out, LeBron's out, AD's out, James Harden's out. Um, there's just a lot of guys missing. I'm sure maybe you saw yesterday your friend Mark Gasol dislocated a, a pinky yesterday. Um, is there increased talk among players that the nature of this schedule and how many games you have to play in so few days is adding to the overall toll that injuries are taking? Um, I, you know, I don't think we've had too many conversations about it, but uh, it's, I think it's become apparent uh, across the league when you start looking at it league-wide about, you know, how many guys are getting injured, how they're getting injured, whether they're non-contact or contact, you know, all those things come into play. And uh, we understood coming into this year, I mean, even going into a bubble that, the, you know, this season was going to be different. This season, season was going to be compressed and 
um, you know, we're going to have to <clears throat> take care of our bodies as best as we can because we know that injuries do come from, you know, lack of, you know, rest and not having as many days off and having to travel every night. So, um, you know, it's part of our job right now and uh, it's unfortunate, but, and hopefully, you know, there'll be less injuries and guys, you know, won't have to have to deal with that stuff, but it's part, part of what we're, we're up against right now. And um, we'll just see, see how we handle the rest of the year. That's it. Thank you, Mike. There you go. Mike Conley covering uh, a number of different topics. Of course, if you're just joining us, Donovan Mitchell left uh, the game in the third quarter with a sprained ankle. X-ray is negative. Um, the vibe around Donovan seems to be optimistic, but he will have an MRI on his injured ankle uh, tonight. And uh, you heard Mike Conley with a little advice on going through some injury stuff, uh, Gordon, because Donovan really hasn't been injured much during his career. And patience. That's probably some pretty good advice right there because as yeah. we talked about during the post game, it's important that Donovan's right. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And you know how Donovan is. He's wired that, hey, let's play. Let, let's go. But uh, I think his body right now, he's probably feeling it pretty good. Like, oh, man, I better uh, I better uh, let nurse this along and listen to what the trainers say because he do, it's the long run that really matters here, and he knows that. Uh, you heard all three players, though, that we've hear, heard this far, and I think Coach Schneider said something similar, that uh, Donovan was in good spirits. So that's... Yeah. That's a, probably a pretty good sign. Um, all right, Gordon, should we go through our stat nuggets of the night from our friend Tyson Ewing? Are you prepared? I am prepared. Let's do it. All right. Of course, you can follow our friend Tyson at Ty Ewing 2 on Twitter. He does the stats for the AT&T Sportsnet television broadcast, and he shares a few nuggets he unearths with us during every postgame show. All right, let's start with this one, and this one's one we've been following closely this year, Gordon. The Jazz are now 32-0 and this season when they have a run of at least 10-0. Yeah, so that's, that's the key. 10-0 run. Get it, make it happen. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an ongoing stat worth keeping an eye on. This is the second consecutive 17-point comeback victory for the Jazz. They have now had three 17-point comeback victories this season. Don't make a habit of it. This uh, was the fourth game in a row the Jazz trailed by double figures. It also the sixth time in the last seven games they trailed by double figures. Uh, they only trailed by double digits seven times during the previous 26 games. Yeah, like I said, don't make a habit of it. Uh, Jazz trailed 89-81 with one minute left in the third quarter. They outscored Indiana 38-22 to over the final 13 minutes of the game. <sighs> Impressive. No, don't make a habit out of it there. <laughs> no. no. No, not going not going that direction. No. Okay. I see. Although that I mean <laughs> the need for that might not be the best thing. You but, did uh, find the negative uh angle to that stat. <laughs> wow. That was impressive. <laughs> I tried my hardest. I really did. You succeeded. All right. Uh during the first thirty two minutes of the game, Indiana shot uh thirty two of sixty eight. That's forty seven percent from the floor. Over the last sixteen minutes, they were just nine of thirty seven, good enough for twenty four percent. Um yeah. From, bad for them. From the four-minute mark of the third till the one eleven mark of the fourth, the Pacers were held scoreless on 25 of their 31 possessions. That is quite the stat. That, you know, 25 of 31? Yeah, it's scoreless on 25 of their 31 possessions. Scoreless. Scoreless. That's... Not even free throw. We're talking scoreless. And what was the time frame on that? Uh, let's see here. Hold on. Let me scroll back up. Four minutes, uh, the four-minute mark of the third quarter to the one eleven mark of the fourth. Wow. Yeah, that, that'll that win you games. Right that there. is quite the stat. Yep. 
Uh, this was Rudy Gobert's fifth 20-rebound game of the season. That is the most in the NBA this year, as well as the third most 20-rebound games in Jazz history. The other two, Gordon, you want to you take a stab at this? Because this is, this is old-school Jazz stuff, all right? You wanna, who are the other two? Other two Jazz players? So I'll read this again, yeah. This was Rudy's fifth 20-rebound game of the season. That is the most in the NBA this year, as well okay. as the third most 20-rebound games in Jazz history. The other two are? Carl Malone. No, surprisingly no? enough. No? Wait a minute. Um, Mark Eaton? Nope. Oh, man, you got me here. I know. They, I, I wouldn't expect you to get these. Rich honestly. Kelly? Was, Rich Kelly was one. He's uh, He's got 10 in the 78-79 season. And then, Thurl Bailey? Nope. Uh, uh, the year, I'll, I'll give you this hint, and, and again, I don't know if this is even going to help. It was the year <laughs> before Rich Kelly. Oh, boy. Um, I don't know. Just tell me. Truck Robinson. Truck Robinson. 77-78 had 12. Well, he was a wide load. Wow, 12 games with 20 rebounds or more in a season. That is that yeah. is amazing. Yep. Um, uh, let's see here. So in summation of this stat, this is the uh, most 20-plus uh, rebound games in Jazz history since they moved to Utah. Hmm. So that's... Uh, I mean, there, there's all kinds of things happening this year that are, uh, if you're a Jazz fan... Oh man, there's been so much unique uh, stuff. You're you're totally right about that. Um, this was Rudy's second time this season going for at least ten points, twenty rebounds, and four four block shots and one steal. Only Andre Drummond has done this more in one season over the last ten years. And uh, <clears throat> let's see, uh, let's going back to twenty plus rebound games. This is the twenty third twenty plus rebound game in the NBA this season. Rudy Gobert is responsible for five of them. Or, in other words, responsible for 22% of them. You know, it, it gets back to just imagine what the Jazz would look like without Rudy Gobert. Oh, man, they'd be a, a, a completely different team. Not I as mean, good, certainly. With, when they picked uh, Denver's pocket in... Uh, for the uh, first what, time, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, I mean, and, and Rudy was considered... Because Rudy did get some uh, some consideration from teams when they saw some of his freakish measurements and whatnot, and that people thought of him as a project, and he was a little bit. I mean, he did spend time with the Bakersfield Jam. But if you had told people that Rudy was going to be anywhere near what he is now, oh, man, he would have been the first pick in the draft. Who else was drafted that year? Uh, we'd have to go back and look at it. If uh, I, We've done it before, if, if memory serves. and all, Maybe this is something we do for Gordon's List in the big show. But I think you would legitimately have said, like, third or fourth. Uh, at the at the worst, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think it'd be higher than that. I, I, I can't remember who else was drafted. Well, give me a minute, and uh, yeah. maybe I'll look that up during the break. Uh, but we still have some stats left here. Uh, let's see here. Mike Conley became the first Jazz man to have back-to-back double-digit assist games since Joe Ingles um, in March of 2019. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich scored 80 points over his last three games. That is the most points he has scored in a three-game stretch since November of 2019. So he's playing very well. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. This is the 18th time this season the Jazz have out-rebounded an opponent by double digits. They did it just 16 times all of last season. And uh, one more. 
Donovan Mitchell became the fastest player in NBA history to 2,000 three-point attempts. He did it in his 278th career game. Uh, next is Damian Lillard with 293, and then Buddy Healed with 302. Huh. Okay. So Donovan is shooting a bunch of threes at a, at a pace we have never seen. <laughs> like I said, it's kind of a historic season. Yeah, there's no doubt. All right, coming up next, we will get Gordon Monson's uh, final thoughts on this one, and we'll get you ready for the big show. Coming up next right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Sabonis inside over Gobert. Gobert spikes it out to about 16 feet where it's picked up by Clarkson. Rotate to Ingles. 4-3. Good. Jazz game night post game show on the Jazz Radio Network brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer and the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Uh, Your final, the Jazz beat the Pacers 119 to 111. You heard that coming in from David Locke that you play the game brought to you by Larry H. Miller dealerships for service, sales, and selection. LHMauto.com driven by you. Gordon, I want to get some final thoughts on this one before we close the book on the post game and uh, get started on the big show coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. But real quick, I looked at it during the break. Uh, I think it, if they would redraft the 2013 draft, which, by the way, was a dreadful draft. I mean, just dreadful. But Rudy, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying Rudy would have gone two. Oh, okay. Because Who was one? drafted number 15 that year Oh. <laughs> to the Milwaukee Bucks was one Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think I think most people would say he would have gone one, but I would say Rudy went two. Other names notable in that draft: um, your guy Trey Burke, C.J. McCollum, <laughs> Stephen Adams, and really, there's there's yeah. a whole lot of nothing else. I mean, Dennis Schroeder, but that was a just a dreadful draft. That's pretty amazing how bad that was. But uh, I think I think uh, your guy Jeff Withy was in that draft. Oh. Bags. bags, yeah, your guy Bags was in that draft, but I think I, I, most people would think Rudy would have gone two if you would have redrafted it. Victor Oladipo actually did go two, followed by Otto Porter Jr., Cody. Oh, Anthony Bennett went one. Victor Oladipo, Otto Porter Jr., Cody Zeller, and Alex Len. There was your top five that year. You know, uh, hindsight is pretty clear. Man, that was a bad draft. Woof. Michael Carter Williams was your rookie of the year. Congratulations on that. Uh, all right, all right, Gordo, give us a few final thoughts, what you're taking from this win over Indiana. Well, you heard Quinn Snyder say, talk about that there's a level of urgency that you have to have. And uh, the Jazz, uh, if they didn't know that before, now they, they must know it, especially without their leader over the next however long it's going to be. Uh, they have to play. I get it. They have to be careful not to overuse players and whatnot, but the players themselves have to be aware of the urgency and they have to pick up. They have to fill in the gap uh, without Donovan Mitchell, however long that's going to be. And uh, I, I think that was on full display in this particular game where after, after Mitchell got hurt, uh, the team, well, like you said, uh, that well, one subsequent span, the Jazz held the Pacers scoreless in 25 of 31 possessions. I think it was 24, but yeah. Was it 24? Yeah. You sure? Mm, let me go back and look 25. here. I thought I heard you say 25. Uh, you, you, while you're checking that. Oh, it was 25. Just, you're right. 25 yeah. of 31. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that is a remarkable stat. 
And that doesn't just happen uh, any other kind of way other than the Jazz forcing it to happen. So, yeah, that's that's my takeaway from what happened today. I also think it'll be interesting to see what effect that uh, um, the, the Jazz have with their announcement before the game. I I I, I think that's kind of a, a big deal. Dwayne Wade's influence on the Jazz could be extremely uh, positive and in all kinds of ways. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see because he really sounds like he wants to be involved in what's going on. And he, we're talking about a guy who has universal respect all around the NBA. The players, all the players respect this guy, right? How seems, does that hurt? Like how, how does that hurt the Utah Jazz? It doesn't hurt him at all. Nope, nope. So. It's a big day. There's no doubt. And and Dwayne was here, and he was watching the game with Ryan Smith. Uh, he said uh, we played part of his interview at halftime. Uh, he talked to Bowler, and it was a thorough with Bowler. I was listening to the radio yeah. broadcast tonight, yeah, but uh, uh, talked to to Bowler and Thurl and. Yeah, I think this is a this is a real positive day uh, for for the Utah Jazz franchise, despite the the Donovan Mitchell rolling his ankle. And again, if if you're just joining us, uh, X-rays were negative. He's going to have an MRI tonight. But uh, kind of the vibe, according to Woj, is that uh, it may not be as serious as once feared. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how long. This is really the question now: is how long will it take for this uh, rehabilitation, this healing, really? To how long will it last? And uh, I think we're of one one mind on this, Jake. Just take your time, get him completely healthy before you start depending on him to win games in the fourth quarter again. All right, uh, we want to say a big thanks to David Locke and Ron Boone calling all the action uh, for you this afternoon. Thanks to Amanda Smith, our broadcast assistant. Thanks to Alex Lundberg, our boy Lundy, executive producer of Jazz Game Night. Thanks to Mark Miller, Subaru, title sponsor of the postgame, uh, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer, official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Gordo, uh, it feels weird saying thank you for fielding in, considering we're going to continue a show coming up next. But thank you for doing the postgame with us today. No problemo, and I look forward to uh, the next uh, hour or two. Uh, Jazz beat the Pacers 119-111. to Up next for the Utah Jazz, they take on the L.A. Lakers tomorrow afternoon. Tip-off will be at 2.30. Pre-game begins at 1.30, and you'll hear it all right here on the Jazz Radio Network.